bringing to you the stories that have never been told, the news that has yet to unfold, and the voices you have not heard. This is the Caribbean Cannabis Channel, where we meditate and educate on all things ganja within the Caribbean region, with your host, Prophet Nati. Blessed greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Today, we invite three, I would say mainly for women, but health is for everyone's um, benefit. So even if you are not a woman today, you do have a woman in your life, so I'm sure that this episode will go a long way. Today, we're stepping a bit out of the Caribbean. We head into the East, and we have a special guest with us. She, she's an advocate for women's health. But not just for women's health, but also she's an advocate for how cannabis can be used as an aid for women's health. So help me welcome today Dr. Shaban. And Dr. Shaban, before we actually jump into it, I just want you to share uh, where you are currently situated to the guest. So yeah, first of all, hi to all the listeners. Thank you for inviting me. And I'm sitting in Berlin. It's, uh, yeah, Saturday uh, three, around 3 o'clock and the weather is just perfect. Lovely. Yeah, so the weather is actually same here in the Turks and Caicos, which I'm currently situated. And before we actually get into, get into the meat of the matter, I recently saw that Germany legalized um, recreational cannabis. Is that true? And if it is true, um, what is the reaction from the general population there right now? Oh, actually, it's not true. So the health minister actually said about the new uh, possible uh, how how do you call it? New possible laws if uh, cannabis get legalized. They are waiting for um, they are waiting actually for EU uh, Commission to say say the go. So if if they uh, if uh, the EU Commission is, uh, is agreed with uh, all the points that they want to have in the like legalization law and after that they are going to make a draft out of that and then it's probably gonna take a year but everyone is so uh, hopeful that in 2024 we're gonna have a, a legalized a legalized and regulated market okay so it goes to show you that headlines and some articles are very misleading people so always make sure to double check your sources <laughs> right so getting getting into the to the actual um, plot of this podcast discussion today. I first want to start off with your journey because we always love to understand where people started from and to reach the point where they are currently today. So when did you really first begin to advocate or become an ally for, for women's health? Uh, so actually, I see myself more than a herbal medicine advocate for women health than a like woman health advocate because like I grew up with medicinal plant. I uh, I was born and raised in Iran, so we are very much using many different kind of medicinal plants. And I also studied medicinal plants, uh, but uh, I started to get to know actually my body, my reproductive health, and everything around that very late, uh, my in late twenties, when I started my PhD. When I started my PhD, uh, because uh, my research topic was. Uh, 
the, the, the traditionally used plants, which are uh, helpful for urinary tract infection. And uh, it was for me uh, started to become so interesting why women are more likely to develop urinary tract infection than men or why menopausal women are more prone to urinary tract infection than menstruating women. And that's really uh, a start uh, that that, that was a like push that I read more, that I understand more. And of course, I I get to understand the, the beautiful works of Aviva Ram and uh, Susan Sweet that helped me a lot to um, get a better understanding. But the actually uh, the turning point was uh, to turning point to become a activist, not activist, but let's say, let's say advocate uh, for that was when I started the research on cannabis and endometriosis. That was the point that I said, yeah, okay, uh, it, it's just uh, these topics are so ne- neglected. The knowledge gap is so big, and everybody should know about that. That that is very true, and it, it's interesting seeing the the growth because you started, as you said, um, with understanding or just knowing about the medicinal plants and their values, but more from a traditional aspect. And from my readings, I know that Iran and even um, Germany in previous years sort of um, have a conservative feel to it. So. In terms of actually beginning your research and incorporating cannabis into that research, what was the response you would have gotten and what really sparked the idea to look into cannabis more? Uh, So um, actually, uh, I haven't got any negative feedback when it comes to research because uh, luckily in the past decades, we, we got a better understanding of medicinal plants and cannabis. And actually legalizing medicinal cannabis was a huge step. So we talk about from other aspects, we talk about the benefit help, we, we have the scientific evidences and scientific proof why a plant can help, uh, the mechanism of action. And like that, people start to, um, how, how do you call it? It's like, uh, since cannabis gets uh, medically legalized, the the aspect of that and the authority of cannabis change a little bit. So people don't look at it as a just a drug for getting uh, for for like uh, adult use or habitual use, but they look at it as a medicine, mm-hmm. and that, that, that's super super interesting. Yeah, because it is a medicine. It is definitely a medicine. Well, it's glad to see that you all are taking that step forward because on this side of the world, we are still, even though it's decriminalized and some um, countries have it for medicinal use, a lot of doctors, a lot of medical professionals may not necessarily advocate for it, at least on a public level, as um, a lot of other people may may do. So it's very great to see that you all are actually taking that step forward, uh, apart from the legalization aspect but also also incorporating it into the research and, and actual use for medicinal benefits. Yeah, yeah, what you said is right. Like, to, to clarify the situation, here we still have the stigma. Here there are still a lot of doctors that don't want to prescribe that, don't believe in that. But I think step by step, everything is getting better. For example, I, I talk about my mom. Ten years ago, you couldn't even say the name of cannabis in front of her. She get all mad and oh my god, but what are you talking about? But now, actually, when I start to talk with her about yeah, okay, mom, maybe you should start to use CBD oils. Your or cannabis extract is good for this and this and this. And she listening and she she tries. So you know, the, the, when my mom changed her mindset, 
that much. So imagine that that's actually kind of you can see the shift is happening in the whole society. And that that's that's a that's an interesting time to be in to see this shift. Definitely. I think anybody seeing their parents warm up to the idea of cannabis is growth because a lot of us um, growing up, we would hear our parents like demonize it or tell us to stay very far away from it or people that deal with it. So it's great that you were able to actually educate and then she is now incorporating it into her actual um, <laughs> lifestyle. So that's good. Well, in terms of um, the actual length, though, in, since you all legalized it for medicinal use. Um, when mm -hmm. was that period? Uh, that happened in 2017. And uh, more and more, like, exactly, more and more doctors and uh, pharmacies are getting on board. And what I really like uh, that happening in Germany, there are some uh, specialized uh, pharmacies for cannabis. So because cannabis is um, here, you call it is a compounding drugs. It, you don't have the, I mean, uh, except uh, the FDA approved uh, uh, drugs like epidiolex and so on, most of the prescriptions are compounding drugs. So it should be finished in the pharmacy. And there are many pharmacies that specialize for that. And that, that's actually, um, that's uh, give, uh, give much more, uh, much more uh, space to doctors to prescribe that. Uh, also, patients can get a very good, like medi medical quality, uh, medical quality cannabis okay great so when you say specialized pharmacies is that different from dispensaries uh, it is it is actually it's it's uh, yeah, so imagine it's a, a pharmacy they have all other drugs but they also have like a special places and spaces to compound medicinal cannabis oh, great and do you need a prescription for it or it's you can get it just like any other vitamin no. on the shelf no, no, no. You definitely need a prescription. And if you want it to be paid by insurance, you have to go a little bit longer way uh, because the insurance should agree that all the others, all the other medications have been tried and it wasn't successful. So uh, cannabis is like, uh, let's say, kind of last resort. Oh, OK. OK. That's interesting. Mm -hmm. Well, I guess, you know, so it's still um, only medicinally legalized. And it's sort of recent, they're still working out how it will actually be incorporated further beyond that. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's a step and it's a great step because a I think persons will be more comfortable walking into a pharmacy opposed to going into a dispensary and these things. So it's a great step. It's a great step. And I think that possibly um, those who may listen to this, who are guiding the legislation on our side, possibly see how they could incorporate um an idea to to work for us so that's great now yeah yeah exactly. that's great and i think it, it's a nice way because first it's uh, the, the the how how do you call it the legalization of the medicinal cannabis is is uh is an important, important steps because first of all, people started to trust uh, cannabis as a medicine and so, as something healthy. And if you go to the pharmacy, there are um, also, again, as you said, the, you have the feeling that, yeah, okay, I'm going somewhere that I know a very high quality, um, high quality drug is coming into my hand, not just uh, anything. And you, uh, yeah. Uh, I think that that kind of trust building that uh, I'm definitely getting a medicine is much higher when you walk into the pharmacy than a dispensary. Definitely is, definitely is. And 
poses, especially now as more education is coming out, people yes. want quality and safe product to consume. So it's, it's better to, to go to a pharmacy um, to get to get that drug for, for your medicinal purpose. Now, kind of stepping into the actual uses for it, right? So we know that a lot of women um, suffer with severe discomfort, whether it be from their menstruation, PMS, or even right now we are in breast cancer awareness month still. So how how does cannabis actually assist in alleviating these sy- symptoms that come with, with this? Okay, so um, uh, I, I first answer your question about the PMS and menstrual problems because, uh, you know, uh, each month when women uh, go, go through this menstrual cycle and, and the day periods, uh, we, we all have heard that, okay, it, if you have pain, it is normal. What I want to say is that uh, it is common to have pain, but it's not normal. No severe mm. pain is normal. And if you have any kind of pain, that's uh, like you have to uh, change your daily routines. You cannot go to work or you have to take more than three um, uh, pain tablets per day. That is not something normal. That is something that you should definitely go to a gynecologist and understand what is the, what is what's underlying that pain. Because actually pain is it's like our body is talking with us that something is wrong. So find mm. out what, what is not, uh, what is not functional. Um, and of course, yes, uh, uh, cannabis can help uh, with many of these uh, symptoms and many of these discomforts. And the reason for that uh, is, uh, as you know, endocannabinoid system is ubiquitous in our body. It uh, has regulates many different activities in our body. Among them are sleep, regulating temperature, pain control, inflammatory and immune responses. And uh, Exogenous cannabinoids like THC and CBD can act on these different um, different mechanisms. For example, THC and CBD uh, can bind to uh, different receptors which are responsible for pain. So they can have an analgesic effect. They can reduce the pain. Uh, they have anti-inflammatory uh, effects. Uh, for example, CBD can block um, COX-2 enzyme, which uh, exactly NSAIDs, uh, these kind of uh, anti-inflammatory drugs work on. Uh, CBD can also reduce the electrical signaling in the muscles, so uh, the, 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 our muscles get more relaxed and the cramping by menstruation reduced. And uh, as we all know, CBD can also help with anxiety. So all in all, they give the uh, they, they give a nice spectrum of different benefits for a person who goes through uh, through different uh, uh, symptoms and different complication in the uh, in the menstruation period or before menstruation PMS. But uh, what what I wanted to highlight here, as I said, uh, if the pain is so much that you cannot do your normal or daily routines, th- there is a problem in that. For example, endometriosis is one of the conditions that it's uh, uh, very much prevalent in um, in women population. One in 10 women may have uh, endometriosis and endometriosis is actually one of the symptoms is very, very painful period. Now it has been shown that endometriosis is some kind of uh, 
is an endocannabinoid dysregulated or disbalanced disease. Because of that, oh, cannabis wow. can help endometriosis a lot. Cannabis can help endometriosis in different mechanisms. And as a one, as a, just just like imagine a one drug that can have that can exert different uh, uh, different medicinal effect like is like a multi mechanism and on, and multi target and for me it was like really shocking to see uh, uh, not many doctors and not many women who have endometriosis they, they know about that some of them uh, haven't heard even about endocannabinoid system and how important is endocannabinoid system in the pathogen of the endometriosis so there are still a, a huge knowledge gap that should be filled when, when it comes to me- medicinal cannabis cannabis and woman health generally there are so many things to unpack from what you just said but one of the main things that you said that I also want to highlight is that if you are receiving um, severe discomfort, severe pain, it is mm-hmm. a cause for concern and you definitely need to, to check it out. Because again, you said it's not normal, but in my head, I was like, okay, a lot of my friends, family members, etc., talk about the severe pain, talk about taking so many um, painkillers just to go to work and these different things. So it's it's amazing. And also insightful hearing it from somebody who understands the science behind it so that persons could now actually say, wow, this is serious. Let me look at how I can actually alleviate it. And while you were talking on how the different cannabinoids actually impact or assist that, you mainly leaned on CBD. So is it that CBD is more beneficial for, for this type of discomfort? Or it's a balance between CBD and THC? Uh, okay. Uh, the, the great question. Thank you that you brought that up. I mean, actually, the uh, we, we don't have very much clinical studies to show that and compare that. But uh, from, how do you call it, female reproductive system point of view, I always tend to say uh, younger women, especially the, the, the one who want to get pregnant, uh, it's better to use type 3 uh, cannabis uh, flowers, which, is, which, uh, which are the flowers, CBD-dominant flowers, let's put it that way, because um, there is a very complex uh, interplay between endocannabinoid system and uh, female reproductive and endocrine system. And um, actually... Um, so, so I, I uh, talk, talk a little bit more uh, specific because, for example, uh, in our uh, in female menstrual uh, menstrual cycle, we have four different phases, and one phase, which is uh, like follicular phase, is when estrogen rise. Okay, but by the rise of estrogen, anandamide, which is one endogenous cannabinoid, also rises, and that signaling have a feedback loop. Everything which put this feedback loop away from its balance might affect the fertility, might affect the menstrual cycle. And actually, um, uh, chronic use of THC may have, a, a, may have a side effect on that, may have an effect on our fertility, may have an effect on our, our menstrual cycle. And we should be very cautious uh, when we introduce any uh, any kind of herbs, any kind of supplements uh, to our body. I'm not saying that it's uh, you cannot use it, of course, but uh, w- what I'm saying is that you 
by every drug that you use, I mean, every drug, every supplement, by drug, I'm not just mean cannabis, I mean anything that you want to, uh, that you want to use for improve your mental or physical well-being. You should, you should monitor your body. You should monitor your body. You should monitor your hormones to, to be sure that uh, everything is in a healthy state. Correct, correct. Uh, the complexity of of the of a woman's body is always something to marvel at because just hearing the different things that could um not not turn off but could affect your your menstrual cycle and thus your fertility all these different things it's it's something to, that we all need to take seriously especially as more and more persons are talking about. Um, infertility issues. Um, at least for, for men, I think on the side of the world right now we do have an issue where men are becoming more infertile, and it's due to, as you said, the different drugs that people are taking combined with the foods that we are eating. So, all of these yeah. things are you should take seriously, and you should see how best the different substances that you are taking works for your body, because what works for you may not necessarily work for the next person. So, it's all about exactly. understanding this the better assist yourself yeah, exactly but like uh, for, for what you said it's uh, I, I i totally agree it's very individual and uh, the the beautiful uh, with medicinal cannabis and cannabis is that it's really give you a huge range i mean we have different combination of uh, um like chemical profiles of, of different uh, cannabis products. And it, it could be a really good personalized medicine. You can really choose what works the best with your body and with your condition. It's not always uh, high THC or high CBD. It's something that you should individually try and choose for, for, for the best for your body. Exactly, exactly. And I, I continuously hope that people who are hearing this would actually take that step forward because sometimes the what what's missing is really the information that people need to take this step. So it, it is my hope that people will actually start to take this step to to do so for themselves. Um, yeah. Tying back into one of the questions that um I added at the end in terms of breast cancer. Now, now yes. it's breast cancer awareness month, and a lot of persons actually say they use um cannabis in some shape or form to assist with. Um, the symptoms that they may be getting from cancer treatment. How how would you advise persons or in your own research, have you seen where cannabis has been beneficial for people throughout, um, whether it be breast cancer or general cancer? Okay, so uh, yeah, it's um, uh, Breast uh, Cancer Awareness Month and um, it's... Uh, the, uh, as you know, breast cancer is the second most common cause of death for women. And uh, unfortunately, each year, around 2 million new cases, uh, I mean, new women get, unfortunately, breast cancer. The good news is that the advance in breast cancer treatment have significantly reduced the mortality rate, but most of the patients experience side effects from these uh, like chemotherapies and the, the side effects that really affect the, their quality of life. Cannabis uh, is reported to help a lot of these symptoms, but what I want to say in the parentheses is that there are a lot of uh, um, research going on uh, to see if cannabis can actually affect directly the tumor, 
not decided just like that, like make the tumor Dr. smaller tumor. or make mm-hmm. the big. And the, and the, uh, uh, the results are very varied. I mean, there is a lab in uh, Technion, Deddy Myri's lab. It, it's uh, in um, Israel. They, they did a huge, and they are still doing a huge research on that. And it's so interesting to see different cancer cell lines give different response to different uh, cannabis chemovars. Because as I told you, cannabis has a very complex chemistry. And for example, if there is one special chemovar, which is uh, which is diminishing one cancer, may help uh, other cancer to even grow uh, grow bigger. And we, we should be very, we should very careful about that and but, but uh, as you said uh, many people use cannabis to uh, to elevate the symptoms of chemotherapy and there was a 2021 survey they actually uh, asked breast cancer patients to to understand how they use medicinal cannabis and for what they use medicinal cannabis and uh, more than 78% of the respond respondents say, said that they use it for uh, for the for their pain treatment, insomnia, but, uh, insomnia seventy percent. Around sixty percent said that they use it for anxiety, and fifty uh, percent for nausea and vomiting. So they are all, as you see, they are all the um, how do you call it side effects or discomforts of uh, chemotherapy, and they try to address that with medicinal cannabis. What was super super shocking about this study? Is that most of these patients they just took uh, to cannabis as uh, as self management and just less than forty percent of them talk with their physicians about that and they they get their information from websites and uh, from families and friends which could be like I, I was shocked when I uh, when I read that because how could be that you are in a treatment and you don't talk with your physician about that and. That could lead to uh, adverse effects because, again, there was a 2022 study a couple of months ago. These studies was published that, um, as you know, tamoxifen is uh, one of the uh, drugs that uh, that's uh, the most uh, prescribed drugs for breast cancer. And they showed that actually if you use uh, cannabis with tamoxifen, the anti-pluriflation effect, I mean, the, the effect that tamoxifen has on cancer cells diminish, decrease. So all of this stuff is very important to to, uh, to know, to consider. And uh, again, if you are under a treatment and if you want to add something to your therapy, please talk with your physician. And if your physician is not open to talk about medicinal cannabis, then find another physician who is open. I couldn't agree more with that statement that you really and truly should talk with your physician if you are already on some type of medication and you want to incorporate another because it can have an adverse effect and there are a lot of people even in the cannabis community who who still may think that cannabis can do no wrong and it's not necessarily that it can't do no wrong but you need to understand how the different chemical compounds within the substance can affect with what you already have inside of you so hearing all of this it's always amazing to learn new information um, so that I could pass it on to people who may not be the wiser. So it's very important for each and everyone, for those of you who are taking treatment for cancer, to discuss with your physician, should you believe that the medication that you are on is, isn't working or you need some more assistance to get rid of the pain or the insomnia, 
that you may be experiencing. So that's very important. And thanks for for making that a clear point um, to the listeners. Yeah, and uh, like another interesting point to add is that what you said, ask your physician, and more than 50% of the respondents of this survey, they believe that medicinal cannabis should be a treatment for uh, um, like side effect of chemotherapy and uh, side effect of cancer. So yeah, the, the citizen science is out there. There is a huge pile of anecdotes, surveys that uh, shows cannabis can positively affect the quality of life. So why not talk openly with your physicians, show them these uh, studies, talk with them, push them actually, because they are your physicians. They should listen to you and they should also prescribe the best for your body. It's like we, we shouldn't let that stigma uh, get, uh, get in the way of our well-being and health. Exactly. You couldn't support that statement more. As we sort of, I want to type of switch into your professional aspect outside of um, the medicinal cannabis. I see that you would have created um, a company called Leila, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Liar. Yeah, Liar. Liar. Yes, exactly. Yeah, Liar. So what was the thought process or what evoked you to, to decide to switch your medicinal um, cannabis knowledge into actually creating a company with products for, for persons? So, uh, as I said, I, I, it's, um, I started to uh, work in cannabis industry now for almost uh, three years, and uh, I've been working in a, a cannabis extraction facility. It, like there in Berlin, there is a cannabis extraction uh, company, Becanex. Uh, I was working there, and uh, we did extract um, the CBD flowers. Like we, we did extract um, uh, cannabis, uh, like a type three uh, cannabis. And um, what was interesting is that. Uh, the CBD oil that we had helped many women inside that company for our menstruation uh, pains. And uh, one of our colleagues, uh, she had endometriosis that helped, helped uh, our CBD oil helped her a lot. And I, I'm, I come from Iran. Uh, so it, that was one part of the story. The other part of the story is that, yeah, uh, I also knew uh, other um, herbs which could be beneficial for women health, especially saffron, because, for example, my evening routine was that make myself a saffron tea and put some drop of uh, our CBD oil in that. And then uh, I was talking with my, one of my colleagues. She is now the co-founder and uh, my, my business partner, Anche. And I said, OK, we, we, should, we should do that. We should do something which is specifically for women. We can also use the healing power of other plants. I mean, of course, cannabis is our healer queen, stays our healer queen. But we can use another herb to push that and develop different solutions for different phases of uh, of uh, female life. I mean, menstruation, menopause, also a little bit with a look to a sexual well-being because uh, plants can, can help us a lot. And uh, yeah, for why, not, why not using them to be the best version of ourselves? Awesome. I can support that more. And it's, it's funny seeing that sovereignty is also used on the next side of the world because saffron tea is like 
I magically elixir. Our parents always told us to drink saffron tea. Your grandparents tell you to drink saffron tea. So it's it's, it's funny hearing another part of the world, the same as being done. And yeah. in terms of the name of Lila, what does the name actually mean? Okay, um, the, uh, the name Laya is, uh, I, I love that name. First of all, because it's um, many different cultures and many different languages has this name. And uh, Laya means a woman that can speak articulately. As we wanted to push the female health movement, and uh, actually at the moment we are combining two taboos, taboos around cannabis and taboos around woman health, that, you, that the topics that you don't talk about. And then we, we thought, okay, we need a strong woman with a strong opinion that can speak articulately and push this movement. And that, that's why, uh, yeah, that's where the name is coming. That's a great name. That's a great name. It's one word, but it's one word that has a whole meaning, a whole sentence, whole phrase behind it. So it's a powerful word. Uh, thanks for, for sharing that the meaning with us. Uh, and in terms of actually starting the company, what were some of the mm-hmm. feedback you received using it? Apart from the women who were in the facility, how, how has the feed, feedback been on the ground regarding the products? Oh, honestly, the feedback couldn't be better. Uh, many women that come to our shops or see our activities in uh, Instagram or we, we talk with them when we go to different events, they are so happy that uh, some kind of, some, a business like this exists, not just because of the products, but uh, for the dissemination of knowledge. When they hear first time about endocannabinoid system and how this system is important, the health of endocannabinoid system is important for our reproductive system, for our general well-being, it's like you see the shine in their eyes. Um, it, it, I, I tell you one funny story. We were at the yoga festival and uh, we wanted to promote our uh, products. And uh, one gynecologist came to me. She came to me very skeptical with, with like a very, um, like, ah, oh, yeah, what, what are you selling? Are you selling a snake oil? oil? Because you said it's good for anxiety. It's also good for pain. Well, what could it even be? And then I started to explain her, hey, you know, we have an endocannabinoid system in our body. It's like in mycelium. It's really responsible for for everything in our body and then when they add the stuff together they say yeah okay if one compound can affect this system of course it has many different it could have many different uh, therapeutic properties because uh actually endocannabinoid the the dysregulation of endocannabinoid system is the cause of many pains and many diseases so like it's it, it's amazing. It's amazing to talk with people. That 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 positive feedback is actually what pushes pushes us forward. And I'm seeing the positive impact it has it has on you because you have not stopped smiling at all talking <laughs> about talking about your product. So I can see that you are you are seeing the impact on people's lives. And and that's what we do this for. We do this because it has a positive impact on people. And we see how it has impacted us positively. So we want to share that that love and that joy with, with others. So I'm, I'm glad that you are enjoying it. There's positive feedback on the ground. And hopefully soon, Lila's products will be on a shelf on, on our side <laughs> of the world. Hopefully, hopefully. And you know what? I love what you said because uh, actually the stories that we tell about the topic uh, is what... Uh, 
it, it, it what makes the culture around the topic. If you start from, I, um, I, I, uh, there is one professor that I like a lot, uh, Professor Carl Hart. He wrote a book about the adult use of drugs, and he has a very nice analogy. He says that yeah, okay, imagine the car industry. If everything that you t- uh, that you advertise and say about cars is just car crashes, nobody gonna buy a car uh, anyway. But but cars also helps us a lot. They they uh, move us from A to B very fast. They make our life much more easier. Uh, they improve our life. It's exactly it's exactly the type of conversation that we have around drugs. Everything we talk about drugs is the is addiction uh, is uh, like uh, we, we never we actually never talk positively about the drugs and how they can uh, influence uh, in, influence our uh, well-being influence our physical and psycho-emotional well-being and more positive stories scientifically backed up positive stories we, we, we tell we, we help to shift that culture, shift it from a stigma to something acceptable, which we should be. I mean, if you use drugs like in a, in consciously and cautiously, of course they can help us in many aspects of our lives. And those two words, important words, consciously and cautiously. It's yes. very important. And I, I also understood that as I began to learn more about not just cannabis, but just drugs and you whole and to see how once it is used both cautiously and consciously, how it can be an aid for, for our lives. And and this is why we have discussions like this, so that we can talk positively about something that has assisted not just us, but so many different women and, and men alike. And I, I wish we could we could continue talking for extended period of time, but as always, you're always limited limited for, for time and discussion. But it doesn't end here, obviously. Obviously, we will continue to have more discussions surrounding the topic and expanding it. But wind, wind up the conversation right now. We always love to ask some questions so that our listeners can get a, a feel for our guests outside of their professional lives. So regarding your, your favorite hobby, when you are not being Dr. Shab- Shabnam, what do you do to, um, in your spare time for for enjoyment oh actually i love cooking and i love eating so that's uh, <laughs> i really like i mean eating good food and cooking uh, like uh, um, fusion kitchens and recipe that's what i love dr shabnam it has been a, a great pleasure i've enjoyed this conversation so much because it's it's as you said we are combining two taboos one a lot of people don't speak about women's health and we don't have enough people speaking about cannabis um, as yet. So combining these two taboos, it has been a phenomenal conversation, engaging, educational. And you, you've, been, you've been a bundle of joy. I, I'm seeing the passion that you are speaking with. And that passion is flowing into me as well to continue to do what I'm doing. So my people, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for joining us again for another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. And again... Before you leave, remember to both cautiously and consciously use use cannabis, but also learn about it to see how it can benefit you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Caribbean Cannabis Channel. Be sure to like and subscribe. You can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook so you don't miss out on any of the exciting news happening across the region. Until next time. Remember to meditate and educate.